My name is John Foley. I don't know if Rob really introduced me. That's okay. Just kick me to the curb. Give me the Heisman, Rob. That's fine. Uh, no. Uh, am I introduced in there? Okay, I'm introduced in your worship folder, which you have all read from cover to cover. And we'll test each other over lunch today. No, it is great to be with you. Uh, if you don't know, I'm at Faith Covenant, one of the pastors at Faith Covenant. Your uh, your blessing, sending parent church, and uh, it's just it's been so cool to do this series. Overcome with you started it uh, four weeks ago, and and wrapping it up today. So this is uh, the fourth and final in the series. Overcome. And I think it's been helpful each week to have a little visual aid. I like visual aids. It helps me remember better. If you remember, if you were here, the first week I had some white stones that helped in the first call um, of our call to strengthen, our call to unlocking freedom in this series. In the call to be versus do, we had white stones that helped us in that turning that association sometimes of sin or shame to associations of grace and Pastor Mike, in the second week, I, I believe he had you hurling airplanes as you casted all your care on him versus controlling, casting for controlling. Week three, uh, which was a couple weeks ago for us and last week for you, um, Rob did not have a visual aid, but who can forget his jaws and claws, right? They come together to help us remember to pray versus to be prayed upon by Satan who prowls like a lion to, to devour us in that reality of spiritual warfare. So this week, I have some energy drinks. And uh, just in this fourth and final call to strengthen versus squander in the call to overcome. Now, maybe I'm a mama's boy, but I have never tried some of these energy drinks. And I'm not going to be too harsh because I saw someone carrying one in today. Okay, We need to talk. Because holy moly what these things have in them. This, this little bottle of 5-Hour Energy, yeah, it does, it's sugar-free, right? You guys, this has 8,333% of vitamin B12. That can't be good for you. <laughs> this is crazy. Um, and seriously, I, I've already had three cups of coffee and, and a Pepsi this morning, so I am not, I am not hating on anybody today, okay? I, I got my issues. Thanks for the grace of Jesus. But, but rather than a false diet of strength and energy, Peter in this passage, as he wraps it up, wants to give us um, four, four words that just over, above, and beyond keep talking about God's power to strengthen and sustain us. So you and I are called to be vessels and agents of Christ's strength and freedom. And we're called to receive his mighty strength in a way that, that brings it to completion by, by passing that on, by passing that blessing to strengthen our brothers and sisters in Christ. So that's where we're going today. But in order to, to kind of uh, understand this mission as overcomers, we need to break down this call to strengthen versus squander. And, and the first point is, is a place of suffering. There is a place of suffering that God has for us. Let's uh, read together verses 10 to 11. 1 Peter 5, we've been going through one, and we wrap this up. And this is actually Peter's benediction or blessing. Would you, would, you, uh, would you stand with me? Could we stand and read God's word together if you're able? Let's read together. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, 
will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Thus ends God's word. You may be seated. Thank you. Throughout the series, we've been challenged uh, by Peter to overcome in the midst of suffering. That, that concept has come up in several of these passages uh, in, in these four weeks. But rather than uh, Peter saying, uh, we're not trying to overcome our suffering, but, but we're trying to overcome and walk in freedom in the midst or through our suffering. The reality is, is Peter has shown us that suffering is often a, is often a gift or a tool for God to, to draw greater intimacy with us, for us to draw closer to other, other people, other believers who are going through suffering. We've learned that we can, we can draw closer to God by casting all our care on him and by identifying with people going through as we go through. And I think there's a great encouragement right here in, in this end that, uh, that suffering is temporary. Because he says, after you have suffered a little while, God himself will restore you. This series for me um, has been a real blessing. I've found a strong connection in it as I've gone through some suffering, as I've gone through some struggles. Uh, Rob talked last week of, of the, the pray or be prayed upon, the reality of spiritual warfare. And um, I love that clip from Lord of the Rings. It's just a reality that's, that's around us. Yeah, but when we go through the suffering, there's amazing blessings that draw us to God, that draw us to one another. I've been drawn to people in recovery and addiction. And God has, has, has knit us together as I've learned some of the secrets and, and some of the, the core things of God's grace. So God, God uses this. There is a place of suffering. How about you? I mean, has God used suffering in your life to reveal more and more of his grace? Has God, could God be speaking to you at this time of, of going through some kind of struggle? Uh, sometimes it's things we put on ourselves. Sometimes it's totally outside. Could God be using this time of struggle, of, uh, of some form of suffering to, to really come against, thank you, Jesus, the lies of the enemy, to reveal his truth of who you are and what he has for you. I'm reading a favorite book right now is called Upended, and it's by a couple of authors, and one of them, Jed Medifin, was a political advisor to George W. Bush, and in, uh, regardless of your political leanings, this is a cool story, okay? In 2003, in a State of the Union address, um, President George W. Bush launched the Mentoring Children of Prisoners Initiative. It's called MCP. And this is basically uh, a faith-based kind of community organization program that, that pairs caring adults with children of incarcerated parents. And so they had reached a milestone in, in their number of mentorships, and they gathered in, in North Carolina with a, with a mentoring program there. And Medifin, in his book, uh, describes this powerful interaction between President Bush and a couple of kids in the program. Uh, and he just said he, he turned to the shy African-American boy, and although bright, this, this boy didn't seem to have much confidence. And uh, repeatedly, the president would just give him praise for his progress in school, but this boy would kind of deflect this praise and say, no, I ain't advanced. 
And the president just repeated his conclusion, avoid doing what you're doing. Um, you, you are advanced. And, and the third denial, the president kind of hid this smile under his stern look. And he said, son, if the president of the United States says you're advanced, you're advanced. And this boy just couldn't help but uh, coming out of that shy demeanor and laughing with the president and that small group of people in that room. And similarly, the uh, Bush turned to, uh, to a teen girl, too. And he just asked softly to this girl uh, how she was handling both of her parents being in prison. And this, this tear came down her face. And then Bush turned to her and said this, I want you to know something. Um, there's hope for anyone. See, I used to have a drinking problem. If I hadn't quit, I just wouldn't be president now. I probably wouldn't even be married. But you know what happened? He said, the good Lord entered or re-entered my life. I hope you know what that means someday. And Metaphon reflects that this, this girl's misty eyes just lit up. There was the most powerful man in the world, telling and connecting and identifying with a girl most of the world had forgotten by sharing his struggles. And there's hope in Jesus Christ. And he just says, the author says, I know she'll never forget that moment. I will never forget that moment. Church, the most powerful being and force in the universe speaks into our broken world, speaks into the spiritual battle speaks into the brokenness and the lies. And he says, I am the God of all grace and glory. And if I say you're an overcomer in me, then you're an overcomer. It's hard to hear those words, isn't it? We look through a filter of of how we view ourselves and we don't listen to the truth of the God of the universe and what he says about us and who we can be in him. Jesus identifies with our struggles, but he has overcome the world, and he offers us hope, and he offers us his presence, even in midst, even in, and many times through, a purpose and a redemptive purpose of suffering. Peter ends uh, this, this series, this overcoming series, and he tells us that there's a place of suffering, but again and again he brings this great news that God himself will give us the strength and the power and the power to carry out this identity as overcomers. In order to know and to live into this calling to be vessels and agents of Christ's strength and freedom, we need to accept, first of all, a place of suffering in our lives. But secondly, we need to receive the gift of strength. And this is God's gift for us. Let's look just real quick again at, at this verse 10, 1 Peter 5, 10. After you have suffered a little while, speaking of God, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So Peter is, is using four words of strength here to drive home the point that God will give us the strength to overcome. We don't have to do it. We don't have to manufacture it. God will give us this. Uh, I just think this is kind of cool, restoration covenant, that we can unpack one word for restore, restoration. And this is the word in the Greek, 
Katartizo means to restore. And there's two kind of main elements of okay, speaking into your identity here as a church. To put in order, to restore to its former condition. Another element is to put into proper condition, to make complete. One of my favorite verses is 1 Thessalonians 3.10, and Paul is longing to be with the church of, of Thessalonica. And he says, I long to come and to be with you, that, I may, that we may supply what is lacking in your faith. It's that same word, that, that we may complete what is lacking in your faith. You know, when I used to pump iron at the high school over there, can't tell right now, um, that, that was fun. I'd work hard during the week, right? And like most Fridays or maybe every other Friday, I'd go for a new max on the bench press. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. But that, that was a lot of work to get just a little more strength to build up, right? God wants to give us a strength that will restore us to a perfect condition, to before fall. When he created the world, we, we were created in perfect union with him, to be filled with him. Sin enters that, right? He wants to restore to a complete, a completeness. It's not just adding a little bit of strength. God wants to give us, supply what's lacking to complete. This is an amazing restoration. This is an amazing gift. I can't fathom it. I just think in terms of like, oh, a little more strength, a little more energy, Right? A little more to get by would be good. God wants to complete it. God wants to restore it, to bring it into his fullness. Let's look back at the, the words again. Okay. These first two words, restore and make strong, have the same root. It's called ezo. And so that first word, restore, is katartizo. The second word, to make you strong, is storizo. It means to, to make you strong, to stabilize, to make resolute. And uh, this is really cool, I think. This is not just a word that Peter is putting down on the page. This word has great meaning to Peter. You know why? Jesus prayed this word over Peter. Look with me at Luke 22, verse 31. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers and sisters. This is a calling on Peter's life. That when he would turn back, we talked about this in the first week, right? The pain, the association, the unforgiveness in his heart, that Jesus turned that association. He had denied Jesus three times that he knew him. There was this unforgiveness he could not, could not uh, shake. And God takes care of this. He speaks. He gives him this healing. And out of that place, Jesus is saying, I pray that you would receive that kind of strength, that kind of forgiveness, that kind of grace, and you would strengthen your brothers and sisters, that you would give that kind of strength that I'm giving you, and you would pass it on. So we're called to be vessels and to be agents or ambassadors of this kind of strength. And this is where I think we, we receive our full um, understanding of what that means. We're not meant to, to just be blessed in the American way, right? The blessing of God is a, is a flourishing. It's, it's like an arrow that comes in and goes out. It's not meant to just live the American dream. We're made, meant to be blessed, to be filled with God's presence so that we can pass that on, so that we can strengthen others around us, so that we can share testimonies of God's grace and, and watch God work in us and through us. That's, that's Peter's call. 
That's all of our calls if we are called overcomers in Christ. But how do we practically do this? How do we, how do we stand in this strength? How do we pass it on? I want to just give you a, a couple strategic steps, a couple suggestions um, as a means of, of walking in this strength, of receiving it and passing it on. And the first, I would say, is the truth filter. Don't, don't go to it yet. Whoa, 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 let's, let's keep that a surprise. I've mentioned a little bit about um, some of the connection I have felt with people in recovery and addiction. I'm just walking with people in that and uh, just going, man, you know, the tenets of Alcoholics Anonymous in its beginnings was not a higher power, it was Jesus. It's, it's shifted a little bit, but it's gospel-centered. It's all about God's grace. And that's not just for alcoholics. That's for anybody that needs God's grace. Can I get a witness? Anybody need some grace today? All right. Thank you much. Um, I'm indebted to, uh, there's a guy I've met through his wife, went to Kosovo with us uh, in the spring on an amazing mission trip. And John Prynne is a chemical dependency counselor. And he was sharing kind of his journey of, of overcoming this demon of alcoholism. It's powerful to me. And it's what they call in the, the psychological world cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and basically what it is for an alcoholic, it's not full throttle, um, but the, the bottle before them is their best friend. Uh, many, most alcoholics will admit it's their lover. And they say, don't come between me and my best friend. Right? That's why relationships get destroyed in that lie that this is their best friend. So what has to happen is there has to be a, what I would call a truth filter. There has to be a, a shift that says this is not my best friend. This is my worst enemy. And I have to win the battle of the mind in order to change that association. So, so let's look at those three steps. Um, first of all, we have to identify the distorted thought that made life miserable, i.e., this is my best friend. Okay? The second step of that is to identify a healthy thought. This is my worst enemy. And then finally, to just replace and repeat uh, the distorted thought for the healthy thought. Um, maybe you're not an alcoholic, but there's just many ways we can become captive to, to escaping behaviors, to, to attempt to escape pain. Um, whatever we struggle with, I think we can all benefit from some form of this truth filter to win the battle of the mind. Romans 12 once said, don't be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this battle takes place in the mind um, to receive this strength. And so I, I, believe, um, I believe the Apostle Paul practiced this truth filter. Philippians 4.8 is, is, is just a powerful verse. Within this bookends, if you look at verses uh, Philippians 4, 4 to 9 are these bookends of peace. It talks about the peace of God. In the end, it talks about the God of peace. And it talks about this wonderful opportunity that we can give any request to God. But in verse 8, we have a truth filter. Because he says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy and excellent, what? Think about these things. Whatever is true, whatever is excellent, whatever is admirable, Think about these things. 
It's so easy to think of the lies, the distorted thoughts about ourselves, about our image, uh, about what our best friends are. We have to shift that and, and think through a filter of truth. I, I think Peter thought through this truth filter because four times he gives us four words in verse 10 that talk about God's strength. And he's just wanting to drive home this point. He's wanting to testify. He's wanting to say, hey, 2,000 years later, you're sitting in church. I want you to know my story. I want you to know how much pain I carried around inside and, and the lies that I held, that I was unforgivable. And I want you to know that you can be forgiven and you can receive great strength. And he wants to say, be restored, be, be strengthened by God, stand firm and steadfast in him. And so every time Peter heard the rooster crow, it was no longer you're a loser. It was no longer you're a failure. It was you're forgiven. You're my beloved son. You're an overcomer. I, I give you my strength. Now go strengthen others in the name of Jesus Christ. What is it for you? What distorted thoughts? What voices? Is it I'm not worthy? Is it I'm a mistake? I'll never amount to anything. God wants to turn that association and he wants you to hear this booming voice from heaven. You're my beloved. You're forgiven. You're an overcomer. Right now today, you can receive the power from heaven. You can receive my strength. Maybe the, the subtle captivity of your heart is being a victim. Maybe the distorted thought that you get caught repeated again and again is, uh, I was cheated or life cheats me. What lie do you listen to? I'm powerless, I'm abandoned, I'm a failure. What is it for you? Jesus says, you are Hooper Nikael. You are an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror. And he wants to replace a victim mentality with a victor mentality. He wants to replace the lies that bombard on the door of your heart with the truth of his grace and the truth of his power. I was thinking, you know, what's the secret of like really standing in this strength? What's the, the secret of really believing in this? And, and I believe it's... Um, to simply to lay those things at God's feet, we're called to surrender, to just confess, to just give him our worries, and to stop picking them up again. Rob and I were talking about this yesterday. He said, you know, one of the definitions of casting in that second part of the series, cast your cares on him versus controlling, one of the definitions of casting is to not pick it back up again. I was reading Hannah Whitehall-Smith um, she's known for the um, victorious Christian life. I, I forget what she's known for, an old prayer warrior. And in her book, she says, um, the main problem is people will trust God and will lay things at his feet and say, forgive me, I need forgiveness, but they'll pick it back up again. And so church, the secret is, is to cast it. The secret is to, to not pick it up. And that's hard. But that's what the truth filter can do. It can just remind us, like, we're forgiven. He's got it. I don't have it. I'm not going to pick it back up again. I, I just love uh, that this, this works with nine-year-olds. 
this works with nine-year-olds. My, my son and I were, were rolling through this part of town on our way to soccer, and he just started soccer, and he hadn't played in a couple of years. And, and both times before soccer, he was like, I can't play soccer. I'm no good at soccer. Didn't want to go. And then he was great, and he got an assist in the game. And we started talking about this. Isn't this interesting? You feel so much different now than you did before. I said, you know, listen to the sermon. This was last week, right? Listen to the sermon. I'm going to talk about this truth filter. And he came up after the church, after the sermon. He said, Dad, I know what you were talking about. Nine-year-old, I need this in my life. Do you need this in your life? I need God's truth to come against those lies. I need to replace the pattern, the tapes. Ah, oh, you're no good at that. Someone caught me this week, and they said, I've heard you say that a couple times. I'm no good at that. Oops, I got to practice what I preach. Help me. I just think so much can change. John Prynne said that, that his life changed with the changing of one word in this, in this pattern. His life changed. The power to overcome alcoholism, the power to, to escape into that happened in, in this empowering that God gave him. And in his word was, rather than life cheats me, it became a choice to believe life blesses me. So one word, he went from a life of brokenness, he went from a life in gratitude, to start saying that and repeating that, <laughs> rather than life cheats me and look for all the examples of that, he started saying life blesses me. He started noticing the blessings of everyday life. Amazing creator. He started saying life blesses me. It changed his life. It unlocked the door to freedom. God wants to give that to all of us. Just a second, second option, the second uh, thing to, to try to, to make this step, as well as the truth filter, is the Jesus alarm. And I don't think you'll find this anywhere because it was my idea. Um, and it basically came out because I couldn't do what this prayer warrior did, so I came up with an easier example. But this was inspired by the prayer practice of Frank Labach. And on January 30th, 1930, Labak began a prayer experiment that he called the Game with Minutes. And he was dissatisfied with his intimacy with God. And so he, he practiced this, this prayer experiment. And one of his main inspirations is uh, Brother Lawrence. Maybe you've heard of Brother Lawrence. He was a 17th century monk whose singular purpose in life was to live in the presence of God. And Brother Lawrence was unique because he didn't want to withdraw from life to pray or to be in the presence of life. He wanted to practice the presence of God no matter what he was doing. He often worked in the kitchen. And so he wanted to live in the continual presence of God no matter what he was doing. Um, and so the driving motivation for Labak was a question that consumed every waking moment. Can we have contact with God all the time? So he described this game with minutes we try to call him to mind at least one second of each minute. We do not need to forget other things nor stop our work, but we invite him to share everything we do or say or think. Now, some people have joked, I'm a pastor, name's Foley. Some people have called me Holy Foley. I just wanted to be honest with you, like, oh my goodness, game with minutes? That is nuts. Try and think about God one second of every minute of the day. You go, Frank, but man, I am not there. So I just said, you know what? I want to do a Jesus alarm. 
And so I, I got a little alarm on my phone, and I set it, and then I just set my snooze for 30 minutes. And I've never made it through the whole day. I get sick of it, but uh, I don't get sick of time with Jesus, but uh, get sick of that little ring on the phone. I don't know. But, but, but these are the, uh, the things I just try and do in the, in the Jesus alarm is, is just quickly surrender to God, confess sins, declare freedom. I mean, that's come out of going through this series, right? Maybe just a scripture here. Hey, this is who you say I am. I'm free in you. And then stand in his strength. Say, Lord, I'm here. Would you just fill me with your strength? And it's just a really neat way to practice, to take a step and to say, hey, I want to stand. I want to receive your strength and your power. I'm just going to do this through the day or try this once in a while. Whatever it is, I would encourage you to do something to take a step, to take a stand, to say, I want to do something to receive your freedom, God. I want to do something to experience more of you in my life, something to change the thought patterns from lies and guilt and shame to receiving what you have for me. I want to to do something. Um, Just as as a way to, uh, to share an illustration of trying to do kind of a strategic move to receive more of God. I was on vacation with our family this summer. We were in the Boundary Waters. And, and God just put on my heart, hey, date everyone in your family in the next week. That's my strategic move. I was, I was meditating in Colossians 1 throughout the week, which is, talks about Jesus is before and in all creation. It's all created by him and for him and through him. And being in the Boundary Waters, if you've ever been there, it was just phenomenal. And then it says that he's the head of the church. And then it, it ends in verse 29 of chapter 1, just that little segment, that his energy works so powerfully within us. Take that energy, drinks. Jesus wants to fill me with his energy, his power. So meditating on that, the strategic move was just to date every member of my family. My two girls, my son, and my wife. And while we were in the Boundary Waters, we were on Gunflint Lake. Do we have the picture here? And we took this picture, and we didn't notice. This is Bridal Falls. This is about a 20-minute hike, pretty easy hike for the family up from the end of Gunflint Lake. And it was just gorgeous. It was amazing. But we didn't notice that there's this cross above us on the rocks until after we were looking at the picture. I was like, man, that is cool kind of studying about Jesus in creation and Jesus in us and being able to experience that in my family and being able to see a little God moment with my family. God, you're amazing. And then, uh, because that was the end of our vacation and in the span of the next week, started dating the the family. And then the next picture here is Faith, my youngest. This is at the Burnsville Splash Pad, Nicollet Commons Park, down from Faith Covenant, uh, by the Performing Arts Center in Burnsville. It's a cool little splash pad. Faith and I had gone to breakfast, and we were walking around there. And then we noticed all these bubbles on the water. Let's go to the next slide here. You see that what the reflection does with those bubbles? It makes that cross. Sorry, I did as best as I could, but there are all these crosses and these tiny little bubbles. God's reflection, God's glory the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the, the good news of the cross of Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins. It's in the fabric of creation. Louis Giglio talks about it being 
on stars in far spanses of the universe. Talks about it being in our body structure in us, the symbol of the cross. And there I was experiencing it in in the boundary waters, on the rocks, and in the tiny bubbles. And I just believe this word of freedom, this word of the good news of Jesus Christ is is groaning in creation. Because not only does God want to restore us, he wants to restore creation. Church, you are restoration covenant. And it's in your word and it's in your DNA. The gospel of Jesus Christ wants to fill you with his energy, which works like a mighty power. He wants to overflow in you, and I speak to that. Uh, any any, uh, any uh, voice fans watching The Voice this year? Just a, little, a couple, right? Remember Michelle Shamuel? She was second place, but she was just like, you know, she'd always come down, and she, that was like her signature move to just get down. Yeah, she's singing. I think she came in second place, right? Runner-up. I just had that image today, just getting down. I believe God wants to lay things down. And he wants, whatever it is in your life, he wants to lay it down, the lies. Um, whatever is that, that obstacle to receiving God's grace, his forgiveness, whatever he has for you, lay it down and don't pick it up again. Because God is so good. His gospel, his grace, it's in the fabric of creation. And he wants to restore the order. He wants to fill you. He wants to cover you. Whatever he has for you, it's a time to receive that. It's a time to go out and to call others, to strengthen others to that strength. A couple weeks ago, um, I received a powerful prophetic prayer from a woman um, from, from Celebration Church in Lakeville. And that woman was in this church uh, a year or two ago. And, and I know prayed with my wife, with other people in the church, and Rob has told me that there was something that happened that day. There's something that happened that was broken in the heavenlies. And I just want to tell you, this woman, we were praying, and she said, God has heard your groaning for those going through recovery. God has heard your groaning for those who need freedom. And he's heard it, and he's calling the warriors deserted on the battlefield. You ever feel deserted? You ever feel like God hasn't been there? Have you been deserted? God is calling those who need to be redeemed like Peter was redeemed, who need God's redeeming, who need to turn that association of being lost and deserted. He said he's calling them to go get the others. And so I just want to offer a toast. I want to offer a toast to any and you feel deserted on the battlefield. I want to offer a toast in the Izzo strength of Jesus, the strength that restores us and strengthens us. And I want to call in the name of Jesus those who would receive his freedom and say, I want to be those. I want to be one that goes and strengthens brothers and sisters. I want to hear who the God of the universe says who I am, an overcomer. And I want to bring his message of restoration. I want to bring his message of freedom. I want to bring the gospel message of Jesus in whatever way I can to those who need it. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, just, we thank you for your grace. 
We thank you uh, that your strength and your freedom is irregardless of what we do. Lord, we want to lay down the lies that we have to be better, that we have to perform better. We want to lay down the lies that we have to measure up. Lord, we want to lay down the lies of um, lies that voices we may hear that we're a mistake that will never amount to anything. Lord, we want to receive the freedom that you want to give to us, our identity in you, that we're called to be overcomers. And Lord, we want it. We don't want to squander the chance to tell how good you are. We want to strengthen others. So I pray in the name of Jesus, I pray the power of the Holy Spirit that you will cut off any lies today. That you will do work here today. That, that people would say, I want to make this step of freedom. I want to walk in this truth. I want to walk closer to you, Lord. I want to receive your power. Teach me how to do it. Father God, we just pray for a knitting together. Even through our struggles, we pray for a confession of sin. We pray people would come together in in life groups. People would come together under care ministers. People would come together and know your love. And Lord, spread that to others. So we just pray this in the mighty and the precious, powerful, the name above all names. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.